Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis, the second chapter. I'm actually going to begin in verse 31 and then go Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is the word of the Lord. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are thankful for the grace that you give us this morning in worshiping together with the saints. We pray that you would give to us the help of the Holy Spirit to hear your word, the help of the Spirit of God to believe and understand your word. We pray that we would apply the things that we are hearing this morning, that as we talk about the holy day that God has set apart, that we would observe it in the manner and fashion for which God has prepared it. Lord, I decrease that you may increase. Be blessed, be glorified in Christ, and we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We are continuing our series, First Things, a study through Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And the last time that we gathered, we considered a most important question. And the question was this. What was the goal of Adam's work? What was the end goal? We learned that man was created in the image of God. As God's image bearer, he was to display to the world not just that God is, if you remember that. Not just that that God is or that God exists, but that Adam, mankind, as God's image bearer, was to display to the world who God is. Not just that God is, but who God is. And one of the ways that men would display who God is is by following the pattern of his creator. That's going to be a word you hear often this morning, following the pattern of his creator. What was the pattern? God worked six days and then rested on his work on the seventh day. Then the Lord God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on that day, the Lord God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. God completed his work. And when his work was complete, he entered into his Sabbath or his rest. He entered into his Sabbath. Another word for Sabbath, rest. God entered into his rest. God's rest or God's Sabbath signified that his work of creation was, here's, here's the signification or, or, or significance of that, his work was complete. Amen? God enters his Sabbath. To signify that his work is complete. Now, now here's another reason. And to commemorate the completed work. When you commemorate, you celebrate completed work. To commemorate the creator's rest. Or to create, to commemorate the, the completion of God's work. The Lord God sets the seventh day apart from all the other days in the week. As being holy. All the other days are not mentioned. But this day is mentioned as being holy and set apart. Keep that in your minds. We'll get back to that in a moment. The Lord God creates man. God creates man in his own image and commissions him to to fill the earth. To subdue it. To have dominion over everything that has breath in it. Man was to follow the pattern of his creator. Now, Now again... What was that pattern? Work. Work for six days. Have dominion over all things. Exercise dominion over all things as the earth's first king. Fill the earth. Fill the earth with holy offspring. Multiply the image of God 
throughout all of creation, throughout all of the earth. Brothers and sisters, we know this, don't we? But that was not it. Man was to extend the sacred space of the garden temple. Remember that? Make the garden all of the world. Make this garden extend to the entire ends of the world. Extend the sacred place of God's presence. Man was to tend the garden, to work it and to keep it, right? Man was to extend the glory of God's presence to the very ends of the earth. And where does he begin? Where does he begin? Where does he begin his work? Eden, in the garden. Man was to follow the pattern established by his creator. What was the pattern? Be fruitful and multiply. God did that. Subdue the earth and have dominion. God did that. Work. And when your work is complete, you will have earned the right to enter into your Sabbath or your rest. Adam, bring creation to consummation. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say two large theological words, but I need you to understand the significance of them. This is the link between protology, first things, and eschatology, last things. This is the link between protology, first things, and eschatology, last things. What do I mean by that? The ultimate goal of of man was to what? To make the world a place where God and man dwell together in perfect harmony and communion. Are you with me? That was the goal. Listen, brothers and sisters, that was the eschatology. That was the, the end goal. The end goal was to create a world where God and man dwell together in perfect harmony, in communion with one another. That was the goal. But where does it begin? First things, it begins with Adam's work in the garden. Here's the protology, first things. Here's the eschatology, last things, what it's supposed to look like. Are you with me? These two are connected. Adam was to multiply the image of God. Work the work of the garden. Extend the temple to the ends of the world so that all of creation might enjoy the presence of God forever. Now, how do we know that? The book of Revelation. We saw that in the last three chapters of the book of Revelation. We we saw the parallels between what God commanded in protology, first things, and what we see in eschatology, last things. Are you with me? We saw this is the command. Here's what it looks like. That is the connection between first things and last things or protology and eschatology. Amen. Amen. There was a a consummated rest that God was calling Adam towards. There was a Sabbath rest that God was calling Adam towards that God established in the very beginning. In Genesis, we see the commands. In Revelation, we see the finished product. When all things have been completed. When all things have been consummated. But... In the midst of protology and eschatology, there is bad news, but there was also good news. The bad news is that Adam failed to complete the work that God gave him. The bad news is that Adam failed to complete the covenant between him and God, the covenant of works. In the apostle, in the words of the apostle Paul, Adam fell short. Adam fell short. He fell short. He fell short of the glory of God. And when he fell short, because he stood as the representative for all men, all men fell short. All men are sinners, sinners in Adam. Adam's failure resulted in all of humanity's failure. Adam failed to enter into that rest. Therefore, all men failed to enter into that rest. That is the bad news. Men could not save themselves. Men could not enter into that rest based upon their own works or their own good deeds. But we know there's also good news. That the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, came and lived in perfect obedience to the command of the Father. He completed the covenant given to him by God. The covenant of redemption. 
He finished his work. And we can now rejoice when we read the book of Revelation because we are shown that Christ has conquered. Christ has earned for us what we could never earn for ourselves. Christ has earned rest that Adam lost. In Genesis 131, God declared that his work was finished and he entered into his rest. In John 19:15, the Lord Jesus Christ also declared, "It is finished." It is finished. And he entered into his eternal rest, doing what? Sitting down at the right hand of the Father to signify what? That his work was complete. And it was the beginning, the dawning of a new creation, a new people for his own glory. Do you see those connections? We know this great and glorious gospel truth and we praise God for all these things. But I got to ask you a question now. What about that holy day? What do we do with that holy day that has been set apart by God? What do we do with that set apart, holy, sanctified day? Does that day even matter anymore? When Adam failed to keep the covenant of works, did God also do away with the day that he set apart as holy? Did When Adam failed, did God say, well, I guess all is lost. And so let's also scrap the seventh holy day. Did the fall of man negate the eschatological goal of the covenant of works? Meaning this, did the fall cancel out God's goal for man, which is rest and the sign that pointed to that rest? In other words, again, when man fell, did God throw away the glorious goal of the covenant of works, the consummated rest, and again, the sign day that it pointed toward? What am I, What day? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. Did God throw away the Sabbath because of man's rebellion? I mentioned protology, first things, and eschatology, last things, and, and how they are connect, connected. You cannot separate the two. You can't separate First things and last things because they're connected. What do I mean? One points to the other. Are you with me? This here, first things, points to the last thing. The last thing points back to the first thing. You cannot disconnect them. This is why we see the parallels in the first three chapters of Genesis and the last three chapters of the book of Revelation. But what about this Sabbath day? Has that holy day been scrapped? Has it been done away with? Even some of your faces, even the word Sabbath causes some faces to cringe. Even the word Sabbath. Let me see how you like scar or or, or, uh, Mufasa. Right. Remember that? Even the word Sabbath. Causes faces to cringe, spines to tingle. Why the word Sabbath? We aren't Seventh-day Adventists. The Sabbath, or someone may say, brother, that's the law. We're no longer under the law, no longer under the old covenant. Read Exodus 31. Read uh, Romans 14, uh, Colossians 2, Galatians 4. The Sabbath is no longer binding on us in a discussion. As long as you observe a day in the week when you worship God and after you worship God, hey, use the day for whatever you'd like to use it for. You're not under the law. Do whatever you'd like to do. Brothers and sisters. Is it really that simple? Does the Sabbath, as some would assume, only have two functions, a sign between God and old covenant Israel and a shadow of Christ to come? Is that the only functions of the Sabbath? Is it so simple to say that? Once Christ comes, the Mosaic covenant goes and so does the Sabbath. Is it that simple? No, it is not that simple. It is not. Is there more that we can learn from the Sabbath? Yes. Has God spoken on this matter? Absolutely. Has God expressed his commands on how we are to use his Sabbath? Yes. And to answer all of those questions, we're going to go through a short series On the Sabbath, because if God has set a a day aside as a sign 
for his people to observe in order to look forward to the ultimate end goal, then don't you think we should use it in the way that he has prescribed for us to use it? Yes, we should. And where we begin is by understanding God's original intent for the Sabbath. So this morning we begin with part one of the Sabbath. Genesis chapter two, verses one through three. Here's our first point. The pattern of the creator's Sabbath. The pattern of the creator's Sabbath. Genesis chapter two, verses one through three, once again. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested from and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Brothers and sisters, in these verses, we see that the creator of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, the one who is sovereign over all things. He kept the Sabbath. Let that statement sink in for just a moment. God, the creator of all things, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who wills and that which he wills comes to pass. He observed and kept the Sabbath. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work or God completed all of his work. Brothers and sisters, the meaning of rest. The meaning of rest. What is it? What is the meaning of rest? What, is, what does it mean for the creator to keep a Sabbath? God himself, in the keeping of the, of the Sabbath, establishes a pattern for his creatures. To do what? To follow. We have already established that six days man was to do what? To do what? Work. Who worked for six days first? God did. And then God did what? God rested. God's work was complete, so he ceased from his work. In order to understand the, the intention of that day, it's important for us to understand the example that God has established for us in the Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, why did he rest? Why did he rest? Was he tired? Was he sleepy? No. Did he need to be rejuvenated? Yes or no? No, very good. No, I'm, I'm glad you said no. No, he did not need to be rejuvenated. Did he need a nap? No. We know that God does not sleep. God does not slumber, that God is not like his creatures. He is other than his creation, right? God does not grow weary. So then what's the, the meaning of this rest? God rested in order to declare. This is the, the point you should write down. God rested and his rest was a declaration of finished work. Rest was a declaration of work completed. As far as God was concerned, his work in the creating of all things was done. And when it was done, God looks back and says, very good. God, the meaning of God's rest is work completed. Work completed. N not a need to be rejuvenated, but a declaration of completion. When God completed his work, what does he do then? He begins another work. Of what? Enthronement. God completes his work of creation and then begins immediately the work of enthronement over all of his creation. Heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. Now, this is not to say that God is not still at work. God is still at work. But listen, 
not in the work of creation. Meaning, he's not still creating trees, birds, animals. That's done. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 17 that the Father works until this time, and I do also work. God is no longer working to create, but God is at work in ruling, governing, and preserving his creation through the work of providence. God is also working in the application of redemption to his saints, to his elect. God the Holy Spirit is at work transforming hearts, transforming lives, and drawing sinners to himself. God is at work in that sense. But not in the sense of creating. What he has created is complete. Now, what about this pattern? God worked for how many days? And then he did what? And then he rested. God completed his work and it was very good. He accomplished the goal of his work. And when he accomplished the goal of his work, he entered into rest. He Sabbathed. God established for himself, or God established a pattern for, not himself, but for man to follow. Completing the work and then resting. How do we know that? Again, does God need rest? This is so important. Does God need rest? So then here's your, here's your, your, here's how it makes sense for you then. If God doesn't need rest, then who's the rest for? Exactly. God never commanded rest, then who's the rest for? God never commanded the Sabbath, then who's the Sabbath for? Does God need rest? Is God saying, whew, I better take a break? No. He's working for six days, here's the pattern man, and then resting. But the rest is for man to see, this is what you do, work and then rest. This is a gift for you. Because it's not a gift for God. God doesn't need the rest. Man does. And the gift is, if you work and earn, this is what you will eternally enter into. Did, did, was God in glory before he rested? Yes. No, he would, of course he was. That perfect perichoresis. He was in perfect communion between Father, Son, and Spirit. He needed nothing. So the rest and the communion was not for him it was for you this was not for himself it was for you so he establishes a pattern for his creatures to follow what does god say what does jesus say the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath or to say it another way the sabbath was made for man not for god you hear me the Sabbath was made for man. It was a gift for God, from, from God. God establishes a pattern for his creatures to follow. And it would be for their good if they followed that. And listen, and for his glory. Why? Because what is that, that day of rest for? Well, what are we doing now? To give him glory. Exodus 31, 16 through 17 tells us that God worked, and when his work was completed, listen to what the Bible says in Exodus, he was refreshed. Oh, now wait a minute. We just dealt with this whole rest thing. Now you're bringing me refreshed. What does it mean that God is refreshed? I thought he didn't need rest. I didn't need refreshment. What, what do you mean? This is another anthropomorphic saying. Anthropomorphic meaning God is saying things in ways that man can understand. And he does so using human forms, using human passions so that we can understand. How do we understand? We're made in God's image. And as we're made in God's image, we understand what it means to walk and to look and to touch. And when God says words like refreshed, we understand immediately what that means. It's 105 degrees outside. Come inside. 74. You sit down. How do you feel? Yes. But is that the meaning of refreshed here? In a way. 
God described for us in ways and in words that we can understand something that is similar to what God has done when his work was completed. Now, what was that? Now, let me help you try to understand this. I do not build things. I'm not handy. I can maybe screw something and make it tighter. I don't build things. I'm just not that guy. My wife is very handy. Uh, she puts me to shame, actually, when it comes to things like that. And I say, well, thank God that I married you. <laughs> Lord knows I would be in big trouble if I didn't have someone who was as handy as you. Her grandfather was a, a craftsman. But I enjoy cooking. I love to cook. I love the process of cooking. I love the work that it takes. It's almost therapeutic for me, the process of cooking. I love the, the time it takes, the seasoning, the tasting, the, the timing, but more than anything, I love the end result. Now, what is the end result? The end result is, is, is eating together with my family and not necessarily me saying it's good, but them saying it's good. Last night I cooked for my family um, and I was not happy myself. Now I'm speaking in human terms. I was not happy with, with what I had completed, but it was a wonderful blessing to see my brother go back into the kitchen three times. It was refreshing for me. It was, if you will, satisfying for me. You know what that means, don't you? You know what it means to do work and to be satisfied with your work. To take a step back and to say, yeah, that's pretty good. Well done. Remember, when God's word comments on God's word, it does so perfectly and infallibly. What does God do when he is done with his creation? In Genesis 131, God saw everything that he had made. And behold, what does he say? That's good. Very good. God surveys all that he had made. And he is satisfied. It is like when your child does well and you stand back and you look at them and say, I did that. I had a part in that. Satisfied. God saw the work of his hands. He saw light, darkness, cosmos, earth, sea, and all that dwells within. He saw man made in his image. And he surveys all that he has made and he is satisfied. This is very good. So then what are the seven day? The seventh day. Is the day that God steps back and is satisfied. He takes a step back, as it were, and is, is refreshed, satisfied at all that he has done. The Sabbath day was for God establishing a pattern for man to look back at all that God has done and say, This is good. This is so very good. Lord's Day, sometimes after Lord's Day, you are reminded of the goodness of God toward you. Lord's Day, after Lord's Day, you are, you are reminded of the gospel. And, and you hear the gospel in ways that you don't necessarily hear throughout the rest of the week. And you're reminded once again of the darkness that he pulled you out of. And what do you do? You are satisfied in who? In God. You are, you are as it were, refreshed. In God for what he has done for little oh you what is man and in this in God observing the Sabbath he is establishing for man a day in which we step back and we are satisfied in God we are refreshed in God he placed Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it and Adam, if he had, had, had done his work, had completed his work, he would have entered into eternally that Sabbath rest. This is the pattern that God established for his people. Work, and then you rest. And when you rest, give glory to God for the gift of a day of rest. What's the purpose? Well, we kind of spoke on it a little bit, but here's our second point, the purpose the purpose of the creator's rest. Genesis 2, 15 through 17.
The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. When God placed Adam in the garden, he gave him a positive command. Remember that? What's the positive command? Do not eat of this tree of knowledge. If you eat, what's the result? You will die. We discussed this being the covenant of works. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a visible reminder to Adam that if he transgressed God's command, if Adam violated the covenant imposed on him by God, he would die. Now, if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a visible symbol of death, what was the tree of life? A visible symbol of life. A reminder to Adam each time that he saw it that if he would obey, he would live. If he kept the Creator's command, he would earn life. Now, brothers and sisters, in the meantime, what is Adam doing? Working. He's doing his job. Amen. He's doing his job. He's given the task to keep up the garden, to tend it. Adam's work was a joy, but it was still work. He's working. He's following the pattern of his creator in that he works for six days. He works toward subduing, establishing dominion. And with his wife, he would soon produce offspring. But in following the pattern of his creator, did Adam ever rest? Or did he work for seven days? Now think about this. Would it make sense for Adam, as he's been placed in the garden, after we have just heard in Genesis one thirty one, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, would it make sense to say, and Adam just worked seven days straight? Does it make any sense at all? After God has just established there was a seventh day made holy, that Adam would not observe it. That Adam would just work for seven days and not work for six and rest on the seventh. Does that make any sense that he would not rest? No, it does not. Why? Why does it not make any sense? Because Adam knew more than what is revealed to us in Scripture. We've already established that. Adam knew more. Now, I, I, will, re, I will refute what Bodhi Bauckham said. He's not the smartest man who ever lived. Because if he was so smart, he would not have eaten of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not so smart. Knowledgeable, yeah, maybe. Smartest man ever, I'll save that for Christ. But does it make any sense to assume that Adam worked seven days and never rested? No, it does not. Why? Because the Bible has just told us that God set apart the seventh day and made it holy. So what's Adam going to do? Hey, God, I'm going to go to work today. I don't think so. God has already established a pattern for man to follow. Seven days made holy. Where do, we make, where do we make our appeal to this? From God's word. And from who? From Moses. Exodus chapter 31. Why don't you turn there? Verse 12. Here's our appeal. Here's how we come to this conclusion. First of all, we do believe that, that God told more to Adam than we know. As we go throughout the rest of the scriptures, especially in Genesis, we see that people are following commands. Where do they get them from? They had to have come from Adam, who got them from God. Verse 12. And the Lord God said, or the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you or set you apart. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does not, whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days you shall work or six work, six days work shall be done. But on the seventh day, as a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord, 
Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Here it is. It is a sign forever between me and the people of God of the people of Israel that in six days. Here's Moses' appeal. That in six days, the Lord God, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. Brothers and sisters, where does Moses appeal to the people of God to obey this command? Does he appeal to God is right now writing on tablets of stone. This is what you are to do right now. Or is Moses saying there's something that God established in creation when he worked six days and then rested on the seventh that we still keep today? He's saying the, the latter. God has established in creation a rest. And the people of God are to keep that rest forever. Moses appeals to creation. This Sabbath was made for you. It is a gift from God. The Lord Jesus Christ again said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And also not the Sabbath was made for man, not the Sabbath was made for Israel. You see that? It's not a, a, a law that is distinct just to Israel. Jesus interprets this for us and says this is made for man. What was the purpose? Now, follow me, okay? What was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? A, 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 a reminder, a sign of what? Death. The tree of life, a reminder, a sign of what? Okay. So then, what's the purpose of the Sabbath? It's a sign to God's people of rest. A rest that is laid up for his people. A rest that has been promised by God. A work, brother, or work, uh, people of God. Toil. And then you will enter into your rest if you obey. In God's seventh day Sabbath, he makes a pledge and every single day, every single time it is observed, it is a reminder of the promise and provision that God makes. That in the same way he has entered his rest, those who work and obey will also enter their rest. Are you with me? What is that? The covenant of works. If Adam had kept the covenant of works, Adam would have what? Entered into the Sabbath rest. Adam would have earned the right to look back at all the work that he had done, his perfect obedience, and he would have been able to be refreshed or satisfied for how long? For eternity. He and his posterity, he would have earned for his children eternal rest if he would have obeyed. Bad news. Adam rebelled. When Adam rebelled against God, what does God do? God makes a promise. Genesis 3.15. What, what is the promise? That a skull-crushing seed of the woman would come and destroy the works of the enemy and bring his seeds into that rest that was lost by Adam. And after that promise of the covenant of grace, the people were looking forward to what? To rest that Adam lost. From Adam onward, every single person was looking forward to rest. How do we know this? How do we know this? God did not cancel the day. He did not cancel the promise of rest. Brothers and sisters, the people from Adam onward not only looked forward to rest, but longed for rest. You ever heard of Lemek? You know who he is? He's the father of Noah. And before Noah is born, you know what Lemek said? Lemek is just a few generations removed from Adam. Lemek says, out of the ground the Lord God has cursed this one, Noah, shall bring us relief from what? Our work. And the painful toil of our hands. What is relief? It's rest. Lemek is saying, finally, someone is born that will bring us rest from all of our hard work. They're looking forward to it. Where did Lemek get this idea from? It was passed on to him. 
But it was also a principle established by God in his people that people look forward to rest. Listen, everyone longs for rest. You want to go to sleep right now? Wake up. <laughs> the, the rest that Noah brought was not the rest that Lemek had in mind. But the people from Adam onward were looking forward to the rest giver. People long for rest. Here's, here's my evidence of that. This past week, you, if you're like me and my wife and me and my brother as we were going throughout the week, you asked yourself, what would you do with $700 million? The Powerball, right? And then you might have corrected the person. It's actually about $400 million. Still, what would you do with $400 million? And you went through the process of saying all the things that you would buy, all the places you would go, all the people that you say you would help. What is that that you really want? You don't want to work no more. You want rest. You enjoy rest. It's something that you long for. It's something that you desire. You enjoy and look forward to the time, which is why whenever we talk about heaven and the, 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 the peace and the lack of sin and what you're probably thinking of is, man, and no more nine to fives. Just rest. I ain't got to do nothing forever. It's been instilled in you. It's been instilled in you that you long for rest. It's been instilled in you that you desire a, a place and a time that you will eternally be refreshed. And that time will never end. The purpose of the Sabbath was to point forward to that rest. The purpose of observing that day as we're doing today is to point forward to that rest and to be a sign to us. And listen, to the world that we don't work today. We worship today. We don't toil today. We are refreshed today. And what better to refresh you than God's word? What better to rejuvenate you than God's word? What better to, to give you a sense of eternity than to be around the saints and to say, I, and listen, you better get to liking each other. You better get to saying hi to each other and loving each other because you're going to be seeing a lot more of each other for the rest of eternity. Shake your attitudes. I'm serious. Anyways, it's pointing forward to that rest, pointing forward to that eternal refreshment that Adam lost. And that Christ has won for us. We're going to say more about this. But in the meantime, we still have a day. There is a day set apart so that the world may know we are looking forward to something more than this world can offer. Number three, the creator's command for the Sabbath. Verse three. So. Then God blessed the, day, the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Why did God bless the seventh day? Because on it, God established the Sabbath in his own practice. Now, think about that. God establishes the Sabbath in his own practice. If God has done this. Would it not be a good and holy thing for us to do this? Are you with me? Is anything that God does something that we should not follow? I don't think so. If God establishes a pattern and we are made in his image, it is good and right for us to practice and keep that pattern. What does it mean for God to bless a day? God answers this. Each time God blessed something in, crea in the creation account, God, God gives it a special and unique purpose. Whether it was for animals, they have a unique purpose. Whether it was for uh, people, they have a unique purpose. God blesses the seventh day and sets it apart as being what? Holy. And as you observe it, you receive the blessings that come with that set apart day. Do you feel blessed being at church? 
Or is it a burden for you? Do you wake up saying, or do you wake up rejoicing that God has given you a day to be refreshed and be rejuvenated and to point to an eternal rest that you have in Christ, which we'll get to in a moment. It's made for you. It's your gift. A gift from God. It's a blessing to mankind. But it's also been given to you to observe in a way that God has prescribed. Amen? It is a day that would be glorious. It is a day that is glorious. It is unique. It is other than all the other days of the rest of the week. What does it mean for it to be set apart? Write this down. You can take a look at it later. Exodus chapter 30. This is the, the best example that I can use. And I, I have to credit Pastor Zay and then also Pastor Joseph Pipa or Pipa for um, this example. In Exodus chapter 30, there's a construction of the tabernacle. Now, pay attention. In the tabernacle, there were certain spices that were used as a combination together to create an incense. Are you with me? Certain spices that were put together, and as they were put together, they created an incense that was to be burned in the tabernacle. God says that he set this incense and these spices aside as being holy. Are you with me? So think about this. We're trying to understand what it means to be set apart as holy. God takes these spices and says, this combination is to be used for an incense that is to be burned only in the tabernacle. So if you liked the smell of that incense and says, you know what, I'm going to put those spices together and burn them in my house so that my house may smell that way. Here's the result. You are excommunicated from the community. You would be cut off from the people. Why? Because the combination of those spices was prescribed by God to be used in certain ways. Not in any way that you wanted. Those combination of spices that were creating an incense were to be used only in the house of God. Only in the tabernacle. They were not to be used any way that you wanted. Now, you could use those spices individually. But to put that combination together. And burn it in ways that God has not prescribed would cut you off from the community of God. Because you have taken something that God has set apart as holy and using it for your own personal uses. So it is with the Sabbath. So it is with the Sabbath. It is set apart. It is special. It is different from all the other days of the week. It is not a day that, that is to be used for anything we would like to use it for. It is not a day to be used in any way that we like. Go to a game. Go to the amusement park. Go catch up on work around the house. That is not what God has prescribed this day for. Why? Because this day has been set apart as holy. You go to the game on Monday. You go to the game throughout the rest of the week, but you show to the world that this day is different from all the other days and that you actually are looking forward to something greater. When you observe this day as being separate, as being different, hey, not the day to sleep in. Not the day to say, I'm going to take a big nap all day long. I'm going to go to Carl's Jr., which my wife did not allow me to go through the other night. Uh. That's why it came up. I'm going to let that big belly burger just sit in my all day long on Sunday, watch the game. And this is my time. Well, whose day is it? It's become your day if you do that. You are then making the same sin, committing the same sin as those who would take the combination and burn incense in their home for their own use and say, no, this is actually mine and I'll do with it what I want. When God has said, no, this is his. And you observe it in the way that he has prescribed. It is a holy day. Brothers and sisters, this is the foundation of the fourth commandment. That it is a foundation also for the Christian Sabbath. 
which we believe is a creation ordinance, or meaning this, something that was established when God created man. Something that God commanded before the fall, before the promise of the covenant of grace, before the covenant with Moses, before it was ever written on tablets of stone, it was written on the hearts of men. The Sabbath is one of those commands. The seventh day is set apart as being holy, established by God at the completion of creation. Did God bless the seventh day and make it holy for himself? No. He blessed the seventh day and made it holy for his creatures to worship and adore him. The Sabbath day is the day that we look forward to the eternal rest that we have in Christ. Now, as we get ready to close, seventh day, seventh day. So you mean Monday's the first day and then today's the seventh day? No. Sunday is the first day. Saturday is the seventh day. So then why aren't we seventh-day Adventists? Why, aren't we, why didn't we worship yesterday instead of watching Floyd beat up Connor? Good question. We have learned about moral and positive laws, have we not? Moral laws are a reflection of God's character. They are laws that are written on the hearts of men, and they are eternal. Positive laws are that which God has revealed and instituted for a specific people, place, and time. As I've gone through the Ten Commandments with many of you, I've asked, moral or positive? Moral or positive? Moral or positive? And then when we get to the fourth command, there's always a hesitation. You know what the fourth command is? Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day as holy. And we always are like, I don't know, positive, moral? I'm not sure. Our confession helps us to answer that question. Listen close. As it is the law of nature that in general, a proportion of time by God's appointment to be set apart for the worship of God. So by his word, this is what it is, a positive moral. A positive moral and perpetual commandment binding on all men in all ages, he hath particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week. And the resurrection of, res- and the resurrection of Christ, here's, the, here's the, the positive aspect of it, the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first week, or first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath the observance of the last day of the week being abolished. What does that mean? It is a moral day of the week that has been set apart for worship. Which day of the week, which this day of the week has been changed due to God's revelation. What does that mean? means we worship on the seventh day because the apostle because Christ rose on the seventh day on the first day we worship on the first day because Christ rose on the first day thank you John we worship on the first day because the apostles practiced worshiping on the first day we worship on the first day because two women walked together in sorrow and to their amazement they arrived at an empty tomb on the first day We worship on the first day because on it, one woman ran back to 11 men and told them that he has risen. And it was on the first day. We worship on the first day because two men ran back to a place where that man, Jesus Christ, was buried and found that he was not there. That an angel said to them on the first day, why do you seek the living among the dead? We worship on the first day because as these 11 men lay silent in hiding In a a, a house with a door locked behind them, the skull-crushing seed of the woman sat among them, stood among them and said, peace be with you on the first day. We worship on the first day because on it, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, conquering death, sin, and the grave once and for all. Christ, the second and better Adam, our great high priest, earned a rest For his people that Adam failed to attain. It is 
a, a rest that all people since Adam were looking forward to. And that Christ in his life, death, and resurrection earns for his elect. What does he say? He says, come to me, all ye who are what? Weary and heavy laden. And he will give to you what? Rest. He's not just saying, have you had a hard week? I didn't understand. He's saying, those of you who are burdened down by this law, those of you who understand you cannot accomplish what Adam failed to accomplish, come to him and he will be the one to give you the rest that Adam failed to give you. We've heard that verse all, all of our lives. Come to me and I will give you rest. What does it mean? It means that there is eternal rest that is in Christ that you have when you placed your faith in him. So trust in him. Why do we worship on the first day and not the seventh? Because work has been completed. So we don't work and then rest. We rest today. We were refreshed today. And then we go into the world and as good bridesmaids of Christ or as good brides of Christ, we go and make the gospel known to the nations. And then we rest on that first day because God has accomplished the work. It is moral because God has established it as a day set apart as being holy. It is positive because God changed it through revelation as we read through the rest of the scriptures. As we see the Gospels, as we see the Apostles, as we see the, the, the Apostle John, who says in the book of Revelation, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That first day, it was a day that was observed by the, the, the Apostles, by Christ after the resurrection and historically by the church, recognizing that this is the new Sabbath. This is the new Sabbath. Christ has fulfilled the covenant of redemption and thus has earned for his people rest. Just as going back to the creation, just as God finished his creation, looked back and said, it is good. It is complete. So Christ on the cross finishes his work and begins a new creation in making a new people for his own glory. A people that he had loved with an everlasting love. The day is changed, but the command to observe the day is not. This is the Christian Sabbath. The Christian Sabbath is a declaration that God has completed his work in the Lord Jesus Christ. And although we rest in Christ, listen, we still live here. Have you got rest in Christ? Yes, it is yours already, but not yet. Will you look forward to that eternal? Yes. Do you have it right now? Yes, but not yet. How do I know that? Because when we leave this, uh, this place that is the, the closest to heaven on earth that you will get, you will go out into the world and you will still live here. As Hebrews, which we'll, we'll discuss next week, 4 says, there remains a sabbatismos. What is that? And observance. The only other place that sabbatismos or observance is used is the Lord's Supper. Which we observe what? Until he returns. Why are we doing this today? Because we are not yet presently with him in glory where we can face to face enjoy this Lord's Supper with him. So until he comes, we observe this. And until we enter glory eternally and fully. We observe this day. We'll make a case for that next week. Therefore, we proclaim when we gather. By our observance of this day. That that which Christ has promised to us, that rest. Is ours. When we come, it is a sign to God's people. That rest is ours. And that we are looking forward to it being eternal and unchanging when we are there with him forever. So then my, my question to you is this. Why would you miss a Lord's Day? Why would you not want to come on a Lord's Day? I've got a birthday party. How does that birthday party display to the unbelievers who are at that birthday party that this day and that your hope is different than theirs? 
Let them be mad at you for not going. Let them be upset with you. Let them say you take this church thing too seriously. So that you will have an end. An open door of, of, of how to minister to them. They're going to be upset with you. Why do you do that? Let me share you the hope that lies within me. You can't go to the Raider game. Come on. You already went to church in the morning. Was it the Lord's morning or is it the Lord's day? Is it the Lord's morning or is it the Lord's day? Are you are you called only to get your check mark in the morning and then go do with the day whatever you will? That, my friends, is legalistic. That is not true doxology. I pray that you see the great significance of this day. And that your paradigm, your standard of what this day means by God's grace will become heightened so that this time of worship will become heightened. Your view of God will become heightened. Your worship in God's word will become heightened. This will not just be another day. This is the Christian Sabbath. Let's pray.